The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, good morning. Not morning, Monday. That's what I was looking for. Good morning, Cass Valley. <laughs> good Monday. Good Monday. Eric, how are you? I'm I know. Good. You all right? I'm good. Did you have a good Easter weekend? I mean, I know it was a little different than probably a typical Easter <laughs> weekend might have been. So it was great. It was uh, my sister, uh, my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Cassie. Uh, she's like 43 now. I think she's actually like 35. I can't remember. But so, you know, you don't want to. My mom and dad are like over 60. My dad's like 75. My mom's like 30. I don't know. She's young and beautiful. My dad's old. Uh, But anyways, you don't want to give them the coronavirus and you got to be careful, right? We're taking all precautions. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of blowing out candles, my sister grabbed a hairdryer and just blew them out that way. (laughs) Hey, that's clever. That was actually really smart. That's very clever. That was really good. Yeah. By the way, my dad's like 60. My mom's like 58. I don't know. Did you do an Easter egg hunt or no, anything? No, like nothing. That? No, 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 no. It's just, you know, you want to be, I don't know. We still want to make too big of a deal out of things. You know, obey rules, obey what, you know, the laws and regulations of what we've been given. So we are not a part of the problem that we are a part of the solution. Yes. So we kept it to four people. I think there was like four of us at our birthday party and really short and sweet and got out of there and, you know, moved on. Yeah, we, we still found a way to do a, an Easter egg hunt. We normally do it with a big family, lots of cousins, eggs hidden all over the place. Uh, but we just did it in our little backyard, and it was fun. You know, did what we could. But uh, nonetheless, did the kids like it? Uh, they still had a good day. Yeah, we we tried to still make it fun and do some different things, and um, it was different, definitely different. But uh, you know what? It looks like the efforts that people are doing as inconvenient as it is it's paying off so keep it up we're not out of the woods yet so keep it up good but we're day. definitely headed in the right direction yes. we're trending upward yes hey really interesting interview that we've got coming up later on this hour draft analyst for the athletic very well respected publication this guy does his homework uh, we're going to be talking to him. Dane Brugler will be joining us a little bit later on this hour to talk about the NFL draft, talk about Jordan Love, other players out of the Mountain West, another Aggie that he has projected being drafted. Who could it be? Yeah. Can I just make sure we underline, bold, and italicize the word do his homework? That guy was just, I mean, throwing all <laughs> sorts of stuff. I was like, holy crap. I just asked, like, I thought it would be a routine, just kind of a generic, interesting question, mm-hmm. but I had no expectation that he'd go so deep as he did on some of it his It was responses. really good, and I think you and I kind of looked at each other and were like, wow. Yeah. I mean, and but yeah, of the athletic, NFL draft analyst just knows his stuff. And he, by he the way- He tells us he's got like 20 minutes. We're like, oh, we won't, we won't take that. We hit we, 15 minutes fly by. Yeah. I'm like, I still have questions. I was like, we're at 20. And I was like, uh, and he was so good about it and, and, uh, was so polite with us. And he's, um, in fact, he's kind of been through the media and well, I guess the sports media market in Utah so far with all his interviews and we were able to snag him and, uh, and he knows his stuff. And there's a lot of great questions with even better answers. You want to know about Jordan Love? He's got the scoop. 
He's talking to the people. He knows the scouts. He knows the GMs. And he's getting the information that you want to hear about what you what they think about Jordan Love. And you're going to be really, really intrigued by his answer. Before we get into that, Ajay, do you want to hear from Jordan Love? Yeah. You want to I'll... hear some stuff from Jordan Love himself? Heck yeah. All right, here's some comments that he's made that we have available. Uh, talking about the excitement of being drafted, um, how interviews are going so far, and uh, just how the process is is going for him. Excitement, all excitement over here. I mean, it's a, it's really just a once in a lifetime opportunity um, to be in this position. So, um, just a blessing, and I'm just you know smiling through it. Right down the spot, they'll give you, um, you know, whether it's two or three plays. You know, they want pass plays. They want you to be able to. No, they're going to teach you the whole concept. They want you to, um, you know, teach it back to them at the end of the interview. Um, and whether it's a run concept, they want you to be able to, you know, ID the defense, ID the mic, um, and decide where you're going to be running the ball to. And they just want to be able to see if you can learn that quickly um, and understand it and be able to, you know, spit it back to them. I'll be at my house here in Bakersfield, California. Um, I'll have my, my family. They'll be here with me. Um, and. We'll see who else. I mean, I'm not sure how many people we can have here, but uh, it'll, it'll definitely be a smaller group. Uh, yeah, I know you said it time and time again, and I'll just echo what you say. It is so cool to have a guy like Jordan Love in that conversation of, I mean, Eric, three days in a row, I saw him on the front page of ESPN.com. Three days in a row. Different stories from Dan Orvalosky, who I reached out to, and I he, he never responded, but I, I, I would love to hear from Dan about his thoughts on Jordan Love. He put out a few tweets about him in video talking about what makes Jordan Love so good. What makes him uh, an NFL-type ready quarterback? Uh, and, then, and then there's an article about Jordan Love. Where do you think he's going to land? And you have like six or seven experts predict. I mean, this is unreal. This is unreal. And what's really interesting is uh, I think maybe Tua Tangevailo is the only other quarterback that is being discussed, if not as much, maybe even a little bit more, but uh, there seems to be a lot of debate about Jordan Love, and it's interesting that it continues. Yeah, uh, like you said, on the Athletic, they feature like four uh, images of, or three or four pictures of uh, players to highlight Dame Brugler's entire 255 player list of who's going to be drafted. And one of those is Jordan Love. On ESPN, we're seeing this as well in these mock drafts and the discussion. Jordan Love continues to be prominently featured and discussed and debated. He seems to be one of the most discussed uh, quarterbacks because there's uncertainty about who he really is. That's the, and that's really the, that's the bottom line, is who is Jordan Love? Is it the 2018 Jordan Love? Or is it the 2019 Jordan Love? And as you'll hear from Dane Bluger, it's, I mean, it's a coin toss. Like, some scouts are like, hey, I, I like what I see. And some scouts are like, so what happened to you? And uh, they, they want answers and they want to figure this out, but they really won't know until they see him in a uniform on a football field in, in the NFL. And, uh, and But you're right. He's a mysterious, mysterious guy in regards to football terms that everyone's trying to figure out just like they are with Tua. I love the upside for Jordan. I still think that he needs to go behind someone who can, who's a starter, a veteran, who's proven as a veteran, trusted as a veteran to be as a quarterback of the football team that he can learn behind. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Ben Roethlisberger would be good. I mean, there's a list of guys I could go over 
that I think he'd be a good fit for. And I and uh, if he can do that and be put behind there, he's a quick learner. Philip Rivers, that'd be a great. Well, yeah, yeah, Philip Rivers would be fine. I, I mean, I don't know so much about learning under him as much as it would be in the Indianapolis organization. Yeah, there you go. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I look, I, I love what I'm hearing about Jordan Love. I think there's a lot of upside. I think that uh, I think that Jordan's got a really good shot to not only get drafted in the first round, but then also have an impact somewhere down the future in two or three years, say. Yeah, it's it, this is this process has been fascinating and how much of this debate, if I put that in air quotes, has been going on more and more because these teams haven't been able to do in-person workouts. Yes. How many of them, if they were able to have these individual workouts with Tua and medical staff really look him over and say, you haven't really finished a full season, you've got the bad hip, you've got knees that have had problems, you've had injuries, would that move him lower on the list? Jordan hasn't had those issues. Would it move him higher on the list? Would there be some of this disparity that's being discussed about cleared away? Because, Ajay, we've seen Jordan Love discussed as a potential top 15 pick. It's crazy. In some, and others, second round. And the other thing about it is, Eric, is teams trying to maneuver to get Jordan Love. There are four to five teams reported that are trying to get to Jordan Love. That, that really want an eye on this guy. In fact, I think the last report I saw was seven. That teams are trying to trade up to get to him. Uh, now, me being a diehard Patriots fan, I'm always looking on Patriots.com. Guess what? For the last two and a half months, Eric, two and a half months, their number one guy that they want is Jordan Love. And then they're the, the three experts of Andy Hart and Paul uh, Paul Kirsch and uh, or excuse me, Fred Kirsch and Paul Pirlo, they all say... We need to trade up. We need to make a sacrifice because the kid is worth the sacrifice. That That is quote for quote what they said. You want to hear what Dan Orlovsky had to say oh, about love Jordan Dan. Love? Yes, please. Great stuff from him. Found some stuff here from Dan Orlovsky. Uh, Jordan Love, two different bites that we'll hear from him about Jordan Love's unique skill set and how he has some wow moments. see this kind of very unique talent that wasn't that amazing? <laughs> I hate it when it reloads in the middle of a bite. <laughs> no, that's all right. Here we go. Let's try that again. Here's okay. Dan Orlovsky talking about uh, Jordan Love and his unique skills. See this kind of very unique talent that you can make plays or he can make plays that you look at and go, not a lot of guys can do that. I have said he has the most wow throws in this draft. He has the most throws in this draft that coaches and general managers are going to look at and go, I can't coach that. And if you look at the guys in the NFL that we marvel at, young players at that position, it is Patrick Mahomes. What's one of the things we say about him? He, he does stuff that I can't explain. Lamar Jackson does stuff that I can't explain. Deshaun Watson. And, and Jordan Love has glimpses and clips on his tape that make people go, I can't coach that into a player. Dude, I'm trying to get Dan Orlovsky to get on get on our show. I've I've done what I can. This guy <laughs> loves Jordan Love. He sees the upside in him. He sees the potential in him. And he's right, Eric. The biggest thing about Jordan Love is look, he did throw a lot of interceptions last year. Brand new coaching staff, brand new receivers, and a couple new offensive linemen. A lot of new offensive yes. linemen. And so with that though, 
he was still willing to make some of the risky throws. I still think about the throw at LSU. I still think about the throw at New Mexico. There's a couple of throws in San Diego State. Um, tough throws that he made against BYU. That, that coach, as Dan says, you can't coach that. You can't coach a quarterback to have some moxie, have some guts, and say, you know what? I have the confidence to be able to fit. It, look, it's one thing to be able to throw to a receiver who's 25 yards open. It's another thing to be able to throw to a receiver on an out route in a small, tight window space, maybe three yard and a half at best, and fit it in between two guys and trust the receiver's going to make the catch, and the receiver trusts you that you're not going to let him get killed. And I think Jordan can do just that. Yeah, uh, this this is exciting. I and mean, we were, what, a week and a half away? I'm still surprised by the answer that Dane gave you on the other player, on the on this mock draft. I was shocked. Because you hadn't I seen the you. list. No. You hadn't seen and the so list. I was thinking it was another person, and then all of a sudden he brought up the name, and then he brought up the team, and I'm like, what in the world is that? And then also with that, a school that's left out on the mock draft as well. Surprised me a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you. All right, so that's coming up here a little bit later on, so stick with us. Hang, uh, hang with us. We'll have that for you, the full interview, in just a little bit. Another thing I want to get to, get to before we do that is uh, some news over the weekend about the relationship between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Oh. It's the story that won't go away, but <laughs> Rudy Gobert did address that. He was interviewed and did share some things on his uh, personal Instagram. Um, and uh, here's Rudy Gobert's comments about his relationship with Donovan Mitchell. And he admits it's far from perfect. It is true that we didn't speak for a while after this, but we did spoke uh, a few days ago. And, you know, like I said, uh, we both ready to to go out there and try to win a championship for this team. You know, it's it's not about being a professional. And, you know, everyone got different relationships. Everyone got, you know, it's never perfect. Uh, married, people that are married, you know, it's never perfect. So, you know, me and my teammate, no, it's not. It's far from perfect. But at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. And it's winning. And, you know, and we both grown men. And we're both going to do what it takes to win. Two things that stand out to me there. One, I'm glad that they had a conversation. And it sounds like it's been way too long since they've had a, a personal conversation. So I'm glad that's happened. The other one, it, he just says what I have been saying for a while here. These are two guys that don't necessarily need to be buddy-buddy outside of the games. These are two competitive guys that want to do what it takes to win games. Rudy just reinforced that. They're two guys that want to win and they're going to do what they need to do to win. They don't have to go out for drinks after. They don't have to meet for morning coffee. They don't have to go for baguettes when they're on the road. They just, when they're in the practice gym, when they're on the court, when it matters, they're going to do what's necessary to win. John Stockton, Carl Malone, very different personalities. They didn't hang out afterwards. But yeah, they, they respected each other well, and they did what was needed to win games. They would go out, you know, I mean, on the road, they go. I was reading the, a book called Assisted by John Stockton. It talks about how they'd all, you know, him and Sloan and Hornacek and Malone would have a beer at the lobby, you know, after, after a basketball game on the road and chat things basketball, chat things about life, chat things about whatever's going on, you know, within, you know, the world itself. They would get together. The relationship I look at is Shaq and Kobe, right? Two really close people when it started. 
But as the years went on, they grew further and further apart. In so much that when in 2004 ended and they got their butts handed to by the Pistons, Shaq hated Kobe. Kobe hated Shaq. And when Shaq won a title with Miami, Kobe was absolutely PO'd. And then when, when Kobe won back-to-back championships, Shaq was livid. In fact, Shaq said in an interview, in a one-on-one interview with Kobe some time ago, that he actually chucked a chair against the wall. He was so angry that Kobe won a championship. That his own guy that he used to play ball with that won three straight titles, he was upset with him because he won back-to-back without Shaq. That relationship was unique because both players were great. Two of the greatest in all time in NBA history. And I think when you look up alpha males, they're like standing next to each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. Dictionary to (laughs) the T. But here's the thing, Eric. Donovan's not Kobe and Rudy's not Shaq. Correct. And so so there's a, I mean, it's a double-edged, I mean, there's, there's a sixes really because when you look at it, one, that's a good thing because there's no high ego. Like, hey, I've got more sponsors than you do, so you can shove it. Or, but on the other side, it's, uh, you know, it's, well, what do we have to lose? You know, I, I don't like you. You know, you're not successful like me. I'm, I'm the back-to-back defensive player of the year. What are you? You're like your third year in, man. And you played like crap in last year's playoffs, by the way. And so there's going to be this bitter back and forth because they haven't won. I mean, they went to second round, whoopity daw. But that's it. And so there's, I mean, it's just a back and forth. And I don't know. It, look, they may not be buddy buddy. And whatever the situation is, whatever the conversation like was, but I, I just, I, I feel like it's not settled yet. And I don't know if it's going to. I think someone's gone in the summer, man. Well, I just think that's uh, way I, I hope premature. Not. I know. I hope not. But I just think with the way Rudy Gobert was left out to dry by the Utah Jazz PR, by the Utah Jazz themselves. I thought the Jazz did a pretty good job of... I don't think they did. Trying to circle the wagons around him. Did they um, Did they throw a protection like a security guard around him of saying, hey, look, we're here for Rudy. Because They I were making it very clear that there's no, it, it's hard to know how Rudy got it, and that it could have been Donovan who infected Rudy. But they didn't say that. They, they said it in, internally. They were talking instead, about it. Instead, they like they they kind of rallied around Donovan. Like I, I honestly feel like Rudy, as 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 ticked as Donovan was at Rudy, I think Rudy was more upset at the Utah Jazz. Like, where are you guys? And then I'm sure when he read, if if he read the article, which I'm guessing he did. To see Joe Ingles come out and protect his teammate and say, hey, look, we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. Rudy's like, oh, look, someone actually came out and said, you know, spoke out for me, was there for me because nobody else has been. Donovan wasn't. I didn't hear Quinn Snyder come out and say anything. Where's Dennis Lindsay? Where's Justin Zanuck? Where's Gail Miller? Where are these guys? Like, where is everybody to protect Rudy Gobert? That's why I think Rudy's gone after the season. I sure hope not. Me, uh, me too. I, I think that's a little premature. I think once once basketball starts happening again, a lot of this is going to be resolved. Uh, by the way, speaking of teammates, Mike Connolly. No, he was involved in the horse competition. Which, by the way, I didn't watch five minutes, and I was done with that thing. But uh, he did make some comments about uh, keeping in contact with his Utah Jazz teammates. 
Uh, yeah, we've had a few uh, Zoom meetings with our whole team uh, where we just sit there and we chat for about an hour and talk about everything under the sun. And everybody's doing well uh, from coaches, to players, and staff. So um, everybody's just trying to get through it just like everybody else is, you know. So I, I don't – I didn't get a sense there of a lot of drama from the Utah Jazz from what Mike Connolly had to say. Though he's always a pretty straight dude and – not one to try to uh, fan any flames or anything like that. Very professional, but sounds like they are starting to you know keep in contact, and I think that probably goes to what uh, uh, Joe Ingles was talking about in the article the other day in the Athletic, saying, "Look, our team chemistry is going to be fine. We'll be fine." Um, and I, again, hearing from uh, Rudy Gobert and some of the comments that he made, um, I. I'm not overly worried. I, I'm, I am a little disappointed that Donovan hasn't come out a little bit more publicly since the Good Morning America Again, interview. it comes out to his immaturity. And, I agree. And, and, and here's the thing, though. Is the teammates going to be like, hey, we're on Donovan's side? Or is there going to be a locker room divide? I know Joe says they're not, but that's going to be Joe's going to say that. Do you think internally there's going to be a locker room divided? Hey, we're on Rudy's side. Hey, we're on Donovan's side. It could happen. It could happen. They're, they're, That's why I think someone's gone. They are two cornerstones. That's why I think someone's gone. Two egos cannot exist. Two major egos like that cannot ex- coexist in the same locker room. It's just it, it won't happen. All right, we got to take a step aside. When we come back, let's hear about Jordan Love and the upcoming NFL Such draft. Such a good interview, man. Uh, this is Dane Brugler. He is the he's an NFL draft analyst for the Athletic, and uh, we talked about Jordan Love. We talked about interesting depth for two position groups and how that might affect the draft. And Jordan's not the only Aggie that he's predicting will get his name called. We'll hear from that coming up here in just a little bit on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. All right, it's Eric Franson and AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Now joining us from The Athletic, he's an NFL draft analyst and does a great work. You can find it on TheAthletic.com. It is Dane Brugler joining us here. Dane, thanks for your time. Of course, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, I know there's a lot to pick through in this regard to the NFL draft, one of the more unique ones for obvious reasons in NFL history. Uh, just Let's start from the top. The fact that this NFL draft is going to be held virtual and on time – what is your personal opinion, personal thoughts on that? Well, I think initially when all this started happening, my, my initial thought was, let's push it back. You know, it, without having the pro days, without having these 30 visits, the workouts, uh, the chances for these players to go to team facilities, my first reaction was, let's push it back. You know, there's, there's really no reason why we need to rush this. But then as time went on and it became, uh, you know, reality that we probably won't have a, a normalcy to the to our lives for the foreseeable future, you know, at least for a few months. Um, you, you know, it, it, it just didn't make sense to move it back when even if you move it back a month, we probably won't be able to have workouts or team visits or pro days or anything like that. So if you can't find a way to fit those things in, then you might as well keep it, uh, keep the draft as is. Uh, you know, it's, 
you know, whether it's the NFL trying to capitalize as the only show in town or, you know, the, uh, you know, the rainbow version of that is, uh, you know, it's, it's giving us uh, some type of sports in a world where there's currently no sports. So, you know, it's, it, it can be a positive. And so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's going to be tough from a logistics standpoint when you talk about these teams uh, being in different spots, uh, you know, trying to uh, be on the same page, be organized. There's a uh, you know, potential for some type of uh, disaster there when you're talking about technology and people's homes and uh, teams trying to uh, coordinate everything, especially, uh, you know, the teams that, you know, Bill Belichick and the Ravens and, you know, the, the good drafting teams will be fine. But teams that have a new front office, uh, maybe just had some turnover, first-year general manager, whatever it is, communication is going to be key in something that might not be worked out yet. So there is a potential for uh, some some disaster here. But, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, you know, I, I think I, I don't blame the NFL for, uh, you know, Bring or keeping the draft on schedule and you know playing it out the best we can. Dane, I don't know if you can classify this by any specific player, but maybe it's type of player or groups of players who who was impacted the the perhaps the worst not being able to have a pro day on their campus. Yeah, that that's a good question because it's certainly part of uh, you know the 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 narrative of this draft is. You know, it's it's just it's unprecedented. It's just different than we usually do things. And the NFL scouts, uh, the the whole process is a routine. And you know, when you break out of that routine, it, things change. And uh, I think, especially when you talk about um, you know these quarterbacks, a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, uh, you know, it, it, he doesn't have his pro day. Uh, the medical rechecks are very different. Um, you know, we had the combine, thankfully, where. You know, each team or each player that was at the combine had a chance to go through the medical process. So we have medicals, but those are from over a month ago now. So what are you know? How do teams view Tua and their risk appetite for a player that's struggling to stay healthy? And you know, would if we had the thirty visits, if we had the pro day, would that change your opinion at all? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, there are some players. You know, I think of AJ Epinesa from Iowa, who basically had a disaster combine. Um, in terms of the way he worked out, the numbers that he put up. Uh, I mean, at uh, 275 pounds, 6'5", 275, he was over 5 in a 40-yard uh, dash. Uh, the rest of his drills did not go well. He doesn't have a pro day to improve those numbers. So uh, next to his card will be 504 uh, for his 40-yard dash instead of getting that to in the 4'8", uh, which I'm sure he would have done at the pro day. Uh, a guy like Jedrick Wills from Alabama, who has been a right tackle his entire uh, entire life, high school, college, only a right tackle. I think he's the best tackle in this draft. But questions about can he move over to left tackle, we don't even have the chance for, if I'm a team, I, I can't send my offensive line coach to go work him out one-on-one and just line him up as a left tackle. See, you know, muscle memory-wise and uh, just, you know, left-handed, right-handed, can he make that transition? I can't even have my offensive line coach, uh, you know, tell me his opinion on that because of this. So I think several players have been affected. Um, you know, we have all the tape. We have a lot of information. There's still value to be gained from pro days and these visits. Do you think guys let – I'm thinking specifically or closer to home here for us at Utah State University, where there's going to be a lot of attention that Jordan Love was going to have a certain gravity about him. People were going to come check him out. But there are other players on that roster that would have been able to get some extra looks because just by their very nature they were going to be in the building mm-hmm. – uh, are there some guys on the fringe that 
are really going to be hurt because of these pro days didn't happen. Sure, and, and that's definitely part of it. There are times where scouts, team, they'll go to a pro day to watch someone specific, and all of a sudden someone else jumps out at them. I mean, you know, that happens all the time. And, you know, listening to Joe Burrow, he was uh, distraught over not having the pro day. And it wasn't because he needs it. He's going number one overall. He was disappointed for uh, all of his teammates because he knew the crowd that, you know, LSU always gets, but especially with Joe Burrow uh, planning the throw at the pro day. And he understands what that would have meant for, uh, you know, the guys he would have been throwing to, you know, Stephen Sullivan or Derek Dillon or, uh, George, or Justin Jefferson, some of these guys. But unfortunately, without that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity that's taken away. And the same thing would have been true with Jordan Love, whether that would have helped, you know, a Mariner or, uh, you know, anyway, even if someone that he wasn't throwing to, someone on the defensive side of the ball, still would have got bodies to the pro day. And, it, it, you know, that's, that's all you can ask for. If you're, uh, you know, one of these fringe draftable guys or fringe, even getting a shot type of guy, you just need eyes. You need eyeballs on you. And that's your shot. You know, make the most of it and see what happens. So uh, it, it is unfortunate. Uh, that, that's, I think, one of those lingering effects that we don't talk about enough as uh, one of the disadvantages for these players that didn't get a chance to go to the combine. Um, and the biggest thing that's going to hurt them is not with no medicals. That's where the 30 visit, that's a big part. Uh, usually every year we have 35-ish non-combine guys get drafted every year. This year it might be single digits. And the biggest reason is because we don't have updated medical information uh, like we do, uh, like we would in a normal process because uh, a lot of non-combine guys uh, make up some of those 30 visits where teams can perform the medical process at their own facility. Um, so it's, it's part of the process that, uh, unfortunately, is going to hurt some of the lesser-known players. New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick on a conference call today said, quote, in regards to the QB draft class, it's one of the more interesting groups and probably one that has a decent depth to it. I know there's one specific quarterback we're focused on here in Cash Valley, but what are your thoughts overall on the QB class for 2020 in the NFL draft? Definitely interesting, and there's I think there's something for everybody, uh, depending on what you want. And, you know, I, it's, it's really interesting to see how, obviously, Joe Burrow, he's going one. 99.9% sure that is going to happen. Um, it'd be a complete shock if it doesn't. Uh, and then Tua is a wild card. You know, we just kind of touched on him, how just the medicals, not every team is has the appetite for risk for a, a player like that. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert is a high-floor player uh, that looks great on paper, yet something just seems to be missing in his evaluation that you kind of, you're kind of concerned about. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, total polar opposites here. You know, Jacob Eason's your big, strong-armed quarterback uh, who, you know, a, a few minor uh, questions about his maturity. And then you have Jake Fromm, who is undersized, doesn't have a huge arm, does not a great athlete. But the football IQ, uh, X's and O's wise, the accuracy off the charts. And so just very, very opposite. Uh, you know, I'm very intrigued by Anthony Gordon from Washington State. He's taken that Gardner Minshew, uh, path to the NFL one year as a starter. But how does he do outside of Leach's system? We don't really have a sample size for that. Minshew has done fairly well, much better than people thought in Jacksonville. But can Anthony Gordon do the same thing? James Morgan's one of my favorites. Uh, day three quarterback targets from FIU. James Luton from Oregon State turned himself into a draftable player. Uh, you know, I think he's going to come off the board somewhere uh, on day three. And then there's a bunch of borderline guys. Uh, Cole McDonald from Kauai, Nate Stanley, Iowa, uh, Lewerke from Michigan State, uh, Cole Montez, or Stephen Montez from Colorado. 
So I, I think that this quarterback class has a little bit of something for everybody, and even in every round, there's a guy you could look towards as uh, someone with promise and someone that you can see making it. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, he's an NFL draft analyst, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Dane, Jordan Love specifically, you have your ears close to the train tracks, you know and see what's going on, you hear what's going on. What are NFL scouts' uh, thoughts on Jordan Love, worries, concerns, and so forth? I, I keep coming back to how fascinating it is, you know, if we switched his 2018 and 2019 seasons, you know, if we did that and... He's coming off a year where he had a 32 to 6 touchdown interception ratio and he played, you know, he also had seven rushing scores. You know, we don't talk enough about that, too. He didn't have any this past year. We don't talk enough about, uh, or, you know, just how interesting it would be if he had that season in 2019 and not 2018. Uh, but instead, he loses all of his, uh, you know, the coaching staff is gone, only one returning starter on offense. Um, you know, you could tell how much he was pressing. Uh, because he felt like he needed to with the talent around him. Uh, he felt like he needed to with all NFL eyes on him, uh, being already he was projected as a first-rounder in the summer. So, you know, I think that that's part of the equation here. And, you know, talking to people around the league, it's, I get a lot of the same thing is we really like him. I just have yet to heard some, hear someone say we love him. And that's, I think, the big, that's the big question. Who loves him enough? to draft him somewhere in the top 40 picks. And I think that's where we where we believe he's going to be drafted. It's just that the, where is he going to go? And it's tough when you're doing a mock draft. Uh, you know, the Colts are no longer picking at 13. The Bucks at 14 are not going to draft a quarterback. Would the Raiders pull the trigger there? Uh, the Patriots are in an interesting spot. Uh, could we see a trade-off? You know, the Colts are picking early second round. Could they uh, dip their toe back into the first round and maybe take Jordan Love there? So there's, there's so many interesting spots uh, where he could, could end up, where it would make some sense. I, just, I don't think there's that obvious landing spot where, yeah, that, that, that makes too much sense for it not to happen. How much in these conversations that you have with NFL teams going through over the years as you've been doing this, how, I don't know the right way to ask this, but how often do they use members of the media to throw off the scent for the other teams that may be looking at a guy? Yeah, it happens. Um, you know, I, I think that because uh, you have a lot of people out there that any, anything you tell them, they, they put it out there, um, you know, on social media or, or whatever. I mean, I, I, I do things a little different because I don't, I don't consider myself, you know, a, a, a newsbreaker. I mean, I, I probably talk publicly about maybe 10% of what I hear just because I know not all of it's true and it might not happen that way. A lot of it won't happen that way. Um, you know, it's, I, I can tell you that. I'm not saying this is true, but I could say that the Colts love Jordan Love. They love him, love him, and then you know they end up drafting uh, you know Jake Fromm because maybe they just loved him a little bit more. Uh, so you know it's something that in the draft season it's there, there's a lot of talk, a lot you hear a lot of things, and I've been doing this long enough where I, I have a certain you know network of people that I trust that have not failed or steered me in the wrong direction before. So I I trust what they say, but it does absolutely happen. Smokescreen. Um, you know, the stuff is purposely said or purposely put out there. And it's not just teams, it's agents. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of people who have an agenda for one reason or the other. And that helps create narratives for players, quote-unquote, falling or rising. And it's just it's kind of a fascinating development that uh, happens uh, this time of year. Again, we're talking to Dane Brugler. He's an NFL draft analyst for The Athletic and uh, updated 
uh, mock draft today that just dropped on The Athletic. And uh, notice Jordan Love is not the only Utah State player that you have potentially getting drafted. David Woodward going in the seventh round to the to Washington. What do you see there? Yeah, and honestly, this, whether or not Woodward gets drafted, I think just comes down to the medicals. Um, you know, he, he was a player who he was hurt in, uh, in high school. He had a two cracked vertebrae, uh, you know, missed basically his entire junior year. Uh, and then uh, when he goes to Utah State, he had a, a terrific 2018 season and then looked great at the start of the 2019 season. Uh, and then, unfortunately, he missed uh, with the final six games due to injury. So this might just be a medical pick. If the doctors sign off, I think he's getting drafted. If they don't, then it's just more complicated to see what happens with him. But you love him as a tackler. Uh, I mean, this guy is a magnet to the football um, he understands football geometry. He finds a way to get to the football. Tackling machine, not going to wow you. I mean, solid size, not great. Solid speed, not great. Um, but I, I think that you know, his ability as a tackler, his ability to break things down, trust his instincts, unlock and go, uh, you know, he doesn't overthink things. He, he understands what the offense is doing and he reacts. I think that's certainly going to help him. Uh, and, it, and it might uh, get him a shot uh, at the very least on special teams. But, you know, the medicals, that's going to be the key to his draft stock. You're also really high on another linebacker from the Mountain West. That's uh, Logan Wilson uh, from Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And you think he's going to be trading one Cowboy uniform for another? Yeah, I think he'd be a natural fit in Dallas. With uh, uh, Linebacker is a sneaky need for uh, for the Cowboys. And so I think Logan Wilson in the third round, I know – I know they, but uh, they've shown interest in in Logan Wilson, um, and so I think in the third round that would make some sense. That pairing, I don't think Logan Wilson gets talked about enough. Uh, this is a, a player who is a corner in high school. He moves the linebacker when he goes to Wyoming, and all he turns into a four-year starter, three-year team captain, had 421 tackles in his career. Uh, he's just a guy that is easy to like. I mean, he might be the best tackler in the draft. He just has a, such a high batting average as a tackler because of his breakdown skills, uh, his understanding of how to wrap and finish. Uh, he can drop in space. He can blitz. Uh, just, there's so much about him I like. I don't know that he's ever going to be a Pro Bowl type of player, but I think he's just going to be a solid linebacker for a long time in the NFL. Uh, he, he should be a day two player, uh, so he should be off the board somewhere. Uh, not Thursday night, not Saturday, but on, on Friday, that uh, second, third round range. Hey, we, we've heard a lot about, uh, we've already discussed this uh, deep group of, of quarterbacks in this year's draft, but we're also hearing a lot about a very deep, very talented group of wide receivers uh, in mm-hmm. this year's draft. And how does, that, how does that maybe push down some other uh, categories of players that maybe uh, you, you would normally see get drafted a little bit higher in the draft? Well, and it might be receiver as well. And what I mean by that is a team, say they're picking the first round, you know, they really like, uh, you know, a Justin Jefferson or a Brandon Ayuk or a Denzel Mims, but they know that the receiver position will stretch a little bit. So maybe they draft an offensive tackle in the first or an edge rusher because they know that receiver, uh, they can find one that they like in the second or third round. So because of that, uh, and then just the sheer volume of talent, we're going to see first-round receivers going to second, second-round receivers going to third, and so on and so on. Uh, and I think there's going to be plenty of teams that get really good value in this receiver class because of that. Uh, it's, it, on average, we have about 12.5 receivers uh, going to top 100 picks. 
I, good luck trying to limit a list of 12 names that belong in the top 100. It's hard to do that with 15. I mean, you there are 20 uh, receivers in this class that uh, have an argument to go in the top 100 picks, uh, but they're not all going to fit in there. And I, I think this receiver class is really interesting that way. Uh, just, you know, who's going to decide to go receiver early? Who's going to decide on to try and wait and gamble a little bit to find value later on? Uh, just such a stacked position. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Dane, with COVID-19 affecting as much as it has a sports world, do you, th- do you think that college football and NFL will start on time or there will be a delay? You can only hope. You know, I mean, I don't think we know what next week looks like. And so it's just it's hard to say. Um, I, I sure hope so. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know you know, what the new normal is going to be in this country. Um, you just, you hope that uh, we're, I think sports is a big part of that, um, it, you know, in, in terms of getting us back to some semblance of normal. And so for that to happen, you know, there has to be sports. And, it, you know, you just hope that we get there. Uh, and will it start with baseball uh, this summer? Will the NBA look to do something? Um, you know, I think that those sports are going to have to make a decision before college football. And so, that might be dependent on what those other sports decide to do. That's kind of how college football is going to take a look. And so, uh, you know, we just we don't know enough about what next week's going to bring, so I can't even imagine thinking about, uh, you know, three, four months from now. But I sure hope so because it's, uh, you know, aside from, you know, my personal bias about, you know, this is what I do for a living, and, you, you know, <laughs> job-wise, career-wise, you just don't know. So, obviously, you know, I hope football's back, but, you know, I just could not imagine a, a fall uh, in in this country without college football. It'd be uh, it'd be really unfortunate. Hey, by the way, you're a barbecue expert. What's your go-to on the uh, barbecue pit grill? Uh, I'm a uh, beef ribs or brisket. Uh, I mean, just all you need salt and pepper. Add a, you know, let the beef sing, and you know, add some smoke to that baby, and uh, <laughs> you do it right. There's nothing better. Uh, I mean, it's just that's. That's as good as you're gonna get. Put it on low and slow. Keep it simple, huh? That's that, absolutely. I, you let the beef be the star of the dish, and just yeah, crank up the flavor a little <laughs> bit with that salt and pepper. No sauce needed. I just add some smoke to it, and um, yeah, low and slow. Let it go. You know, if you're doing a brisket, then yeah, let it go for you know 14, 15 hours if you need to, or longer. Beef ribs. Uh, it's, it's it's a little easier. Uh, doesn't take as long, but man, the payoff uh, so good. Man, my mouth's already salivating. Uh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> salivating for uh, food and salivating for college football. And thank you so much, Dane Brugler, the athletic draft NFL draft analyst. Really, really good stuff, Dane. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again soon. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys. Right. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A lot of teams are doing serious homework on this guy, Tony. I spoke with Texas Tech coach Matt Wells, who coached and recruited Love at Utah State. He said seven different NFL head coaches have called him in the last six days alone. He said teams are trying to write the complete story on this player. Now, he struggled in 2019, played well in 2018, and teams are legitimately torn on this guy. Some see him as a day two prospect. Other scouts look at him as the best pure thrower in this entire draft. And so Wells says the good news for Love is that he's a great locker room guy. He has a very quick ball release, and he throws well on the run, and those are transferable skills to the NFL. That was Jeremy Fowler talking about Jordan Love and how he's gaining interest and continues to gain queries to those who know him best. 
Uh, Eric France and Andre Salveson. Uh, again, big thanks to Dan, uh, excuse me, Dane uh, Brugler from The Athletic, who joined us with some of his thoughts about Jordan Love and the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, and interesting to hear his comments about David Woodward uh, as well, that uh, he may be a guy that could be drafted by Washington, and it's just a real question about his health. I, and, again, you feel sick for all those guys that are maybe on the fringes that uh, would have had opportunities to get extra looks and extra attention at a pro day with a lot of NFL scouts coming to check out Jordan Love, and they would have benefited as, uh, as an added benefit. Um, a few things before we move on to our next topic. Just want to pass this along. Maybe you heard this during some of our breaks uh, throughout the day, but want to continue to emphasize this. The needs at the our local cash community food pantry are going up. They're going way up. because a, a lot of people are filing unemployment claims. Their work has been affected. Meanwhile, they were expected to have two really big food drives this spring that both got canceled. So, the need is great at the Cash Community Food Pantry. So we're teaming up. We're, gonna, we're, we're helping them out. We're, gonna, we're sponsoring this drive-in and drop-off food drive coming up on Saturday. But you don't need to wait until Saturday. If you've got something now, take it now. They're, they're going to have bins specifically set aside that will be sanitized. And then the food will be basically quarantined for about a week. Uh, before it's sorted with everything else to make sure that if there is any virus hanging out with it, it'll be eradicated and, and taken care of. But if you're still concerned about dropping off food or, or bringing food to the food pantry, you can still help out by making a financial contribution. Uh, you can mail them a check. Uh, you can go to their website, cashfoodpantry.com. They have a donation section there. You can make a donation online. Or if you're familiar with Venmo, they have an account through Venmo. Their account is at cash-pantry, at cash-pantry. So do what you can to, uh, to support the Cash Community Food Pantry because they're helping a lot of families in our community that are in a dire situation. So do what you can to help out. We're going to be sharing messages throughout the week. And then again, uh, the the big day we're trying to collect all of this is on Saturday from 8 to noon at the Cash Community Food Pantry, 359 South Main in Logan. So do what you can to help out. We really appreciate it. Um, Ajay, another big piece of news regarding an Aggie, now a former Aggie over the weekend, is Abel Porter. Uh, Through the regular season for Utah State men's basketball team, it became known that Abel Porter wasn't going to come back to the Utah State men's basketball team. And at the time, the news was, Oh, his back isn't that healthy. Uh, he's going to be done with basketball. Uh, he'll finish out the season, and then he'll be done. He wants to focus on his education. After the season's over, we hear, you know what? Abel's put his name in the transfer uh, portal. And still the thought was, eh, that's not that big a deal. He's done with basketball. Well, over the weekend, it's an, he announces that he's going to go to the Ohio State not a small little program where he may be somewhere, you know, uh, a small player on a small team. But this is a Big Ten program that they don't use scholarships for just anybody. Are you surprised to see Abel Porter going to a program like that? Nobody can thank Craig Smith and his staff for helping him get that far. Look, the guy was a walk on. And then all of a sudden, 
because they just they realized the writing on the wall, which is Crew Ainge, wasn't going to work out. They made an adjustment, shifted Abel Porter to be the starter, and voila. You go to back-to-back Mountain West Conference championships, you win them both, and you have a regular season Mountain West, Mount West Conference title. Abel Porter had a big hand in that. Um, the people who I had talked to uh, within uh, or really good sources thought he was going to Stanford. Uh, Abel is a very, 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 very smart human being. Not just on the court, but off the court. He is very intelligent. He knows what he wants, and he's uh, and he has the academic uh, standing to prove that. And with that, Ohio State has a program that he's looking for. Uh, Ohio State, by the way, if you don't know, is an expensive school to go to. And so if you can get your school paid for, and he's probably going to play minimal minutes, he doesn't care because he's getting his school paid for at Ohio State University. But, Aj, if he's got fuel in the tank to still play games, why isn't he still at Utah State? Why is would it, he? Is it simply because the Utah State academically doesn't provide what he's looking for? Bingo. And that it, is it? This is not about basketball. This is about his school. This is about his academic and his future off the court. He realizes that he can't play in the NBA. His back is killing him. From who I had talked to, he wasn't going to play basketball anymore. He was done. His back was absolutely too much to handle. And then all of a sudden, this offer came through where he's having these high-end schools with well, great programs offering this this opportunity. Well, clearly his back has got to be better than what we were all led to believe. No, Because why would Ohio State use a position on their bench to give to somebody who is ailing physically and couldn't play? Maybe because he'll help out the team in one, one, one way or another. A guy, who's, a guy who's captained a back-to-back Mount West Conference championship basketball team is going to get some attention. And he he's obviously still able to help that out. With or help a team out, and he can. Again, I, if I'm, it, I'm happy it, for him that start. he landed at a place like Ohio State, and that he's going to be able to get this education taken care of at a very nice school. But it just seems odd to me that he was. We were all led to believe he was done with basketball. He thought he and was. He was done. physically unable to he play. He thought he was done. But then all of a sudden, well, he's going to go play for a school like Ohio State. He must be better than we were all led. To he believe. thought he was done. The people I talked to said they that he thought he was done playing basketball. I wish him the best. It just seems odd. I mean, he's, I'd be surprised if he plays more than two to five minutes. Doesn't matter. He attended school paid for. Why wouldn't he play at Utah State? Why wouldn't he continue there? That's all I'm quoting. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody.